That's Eugene Peterson. We are in this series, Be Thou My Wisdom, and this gift of being yourself is the exchange of not being all the things you think you have to be to impress the world, because you are enough as you are. You impress God. And most of us never get to the point where we can live comfortably there. And that's actually where humility is. Humility is to say, I don't need these attachments. I just need God. And that His glory, His majesty is more than enough. We're going to talk about that today. But first, I want to give a congratulations to Mandy and to Alex Dillon, who got married yesterday. That's right. They are uh, probably waking up now-ish, and uh, they're missing church, so somebody give them a hard time about that. Uh, and they are off on their honeymoon for, I think, a week or so, and so hold them in their, your prayers, congratulate them when you see them next. Uh, I was there, I got to do the wedding, and I can say they're happily married. And so, uh, yeah, I want to give to them. And by the way, uh, happy Valentine's Day to you guys. Uh, that's this tomorrow. Yeah, I know, I know. And so make sure you guys are uh, ahead of the ball there, okay? <laughs> Just a little word of advice after 11, 12 years of marriage. <laughs> well... That's a good question, honey. <laughs> it's been 11 years going on 12. <laughs> right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, we're still in our first year of marriage, baby. <laughs> All right. So last week we were reminded by Jeremiah. We were challenged by Jeremiah that there is an ancient path. And he invites us to stop and to consider the crossroads. To, to ask us, to ask God, what is it that we are to do? To, to place ourselves in a situation where we're not just moving through the motions, but we're willing to discern, to look, to see, to pray, to ask. That there are these things that God has given us to help us keep ourselves on a path that is for flourishing, that is, that is wise, that is tried, and that is true. And this is wisdom. I mean, also we read in Proverbs, you're going to see it right here, in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12, there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. These words come to us and have stood the tests of time, that each of us, left to ourselves, have a way of going about things. And if we're honest about it, there is a myriad of ways in which we might engage the world. Those, that crossroads, if you will, is one of, of multiple, infinite options. Our challenge is to discern with God's mind and heart available to us, which is the way that you've invited me to walk and live in doesn't matter how glamorous or glorious or wonderful this other way might look. What is the way that is committed to my baptismal identity? What is the way that's committed to pursuing the presence and peace of Christ? What is the way that is affectionately fixed on Him? 
That is the way that we are invited to walk because that is the way of salvation, of life, of abundance, of goodness, beauty, and truth. But there are other ways. But those ways can be devastating. Jeremiah knew it, Solomon knew it, and we know it also. If you think about it, each of us have our own lens. Each of you has your own worldview. That is how you understand the world and how you operate in it. Collectively, multitude of influences, experiences, various inherited values and beliefs, all of these things are shaping how you decide to act and live and which way you go and what you do. You, you by yourself, have a million factors tugging on your decisions. So what are those pieces? Have you stopped long enough to examine what is the internal structure of my life, my mind, my body, that I am using to access my future and my present? Because all of those factors are leveraging themselves on your every decision. Various experiences, beliefs, so on and so on. And, and they show up. They show up whether you like it or not because it's in you. It's a part of you. It's made itself known in you. You can just, anytime you see a bumper sticker, if we were to go out right now and look at your guys' bumper stickers, we would know one of those things about you. We would, because you can't see a bumper sticker without getting a picture or an idea of what this person believes or what they think of or how they operate. Maybe you could think of a few. In case of rapture, this car will be unmanned. Un unmanned. Unmanned, sorry. In case of rapture, can I have your car? <laughs> That's the other one. Or life's a, and then you die. Saw that one the other day. What is these things that we attach ourselves to doing? What's their presence in our life affecting? What gravity do we allow these things to have on who we are? And what we are. Naturally, as these things leverage themselves on our understanding, we follow them. We trust them. And again, from the Proverbs in chapter 3, we read this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to Him, and He will make your path straight. Now, just hold this up here for a second. I want you guys, take this in for a minute. That an option you have, a decision you can make, a leveraging factor that's available to you that should be shaping all the factors of who you are and what you are, is God. All your heart. 
See, we are tempted to lean into our own understanding and our own way. But what's required is for us to take our way and to submit it under God's. And so even if you think your way is already in alignment with God, it's still good practice to go, God, is this in, in step with you? Is this what you would have for me? Because we are living in a frame view, in a worldview, in a way of thinking now where God's opinion just matters. It matters. And he will make your path straight. How many of you would love a straight path? Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. I think sometimes we place God in the category of just our thinking or our spiritual life, but God is the Lord of all creation and all things. And so living in fellowship with God so that He directs your path brings life to your whole system. It reorganizes your understanding. In fact, it is no longer your understanding. It eventually becomes His. Jeremiah, Solomon, they knew that if we didn't do this, that we have a pattern going on in our life that will run its course, that will keep producing exactly the results that you're experiencing right now. And this is why the with God life that Jesus invites us into is so important because what life with God does is it saturates everything. It seeps down into the deepest part of you. It's the only thing that can truly get into all the things. And in God's mercy, He's already working in the things that you yourself aren't even aware of. He's ahead of you. And so we surrender ourselves regularly to God Submitting ourselves to His divine work in us. God, we recognize the multitude of things that are playing on us. The spirits of the age that are dictating us. And we give ourselves ruthlessly again and again to you. We do whatever it takes. We refuse to allow ourselves to be conformed to the way of the world. Because we want to be shaped in the image of Jesus. And Jesus doesn't look like the world. And so if we are living in a pride or in a success paradigm or in some way where we think our understanding is right, that might look good to the world, but it doesn't look good to Jesus. In the same way, Jesus on the cross, it didn't look good to the world, but it was... a plentiful and fruitness for all of creation. <clears throat> John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus here is saying the same thing that we've been hearing, the humbling truth that apart from Him we fall short. That there is a death 
that we go through. But in him, there is a life that we can partake in. But a lot of us are continuing to just partake in a little bit. Here and there. Dallas Willard talks about vampire Christians. They want a little bit of blood, but they don't want the discipleship or the apprenticeship or the regular submission. They just want some Sunday morning forgiveness. But I, if he's the vine and we are the branches, we are abiding in him and he is taking residence in us doing what we ourselves can't do because otherwise you you we're just rearranging furniture he's building a new house he is establishing a new person i can't do that you can't do that but god can do that as far as you are willing to receive him this is wisdom to move from my own understanding to God's understanding is what humility does. With the absence of humility, this does not take place. Because humility makes room for God by letting go of the other gods in your life. All the thinks it's right attitudes we have. Those gods are shaped by worldly images of bad fruit. Our God is shaped by real fruit. The kind of fruit that we've all been seeking. Patience. Peace kindness, self-control. You guys know what they are? Gentleness. These, these things, these things are tangible. They are available. They are actually what becomes intuitive, natural, and automatic in us as God takes residence and does the transforming work that He does. James 4 draws us out. God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Favor here is the idea that God's goodness that flows is experienced. It's not that he doesn't love the proud. It's that pride gets in the way of experiencing God's love. And so God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. In verse 10, we see, humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. If we desire to experience God, humility will be required. Now, I want to be clear on humility, you see. Humility is not insecurity or self-rejection. It's not those things. We tend to go there, though, in our worldviews. Jesus was not insecure when he entered into the world and humbled himself. Jesus was not rejecting himself by getting on the cross. That would be a confusion of what Jesus was doing. 
Henry Nouwen says it like this, self-rejection is the greatest enemy of the spiritual life because it contradicts the sacred voice that calls us beloved. Being the beloved constitutes the core truth of our existence with God. Our humility must not be in contradiction with our belovedness. In fact, it is because of our belovedness, belovedness that we are humbled. You see, insecurity, humility, and pride are the things that we lean towards depending on how we see ourselves before God. Our understanding affects this. Now, uh, Mandy Kola, who serves in our action community with us, put this together for our group, and I thought it was really helpful uh, for what we're talking about here. When we understand our belovedness, our identity in God, we can lean appropriately towards humility. But the challenge is that often we end up in a space of insecurity or pride. Now, I want to quote Mandy because I think she got it right here. When we look inward and believe we are not enough, or we look to others to affirm us, we lean towards insecurity. When we desire to protect ourselves, to be important or untouchable, we fall towards pride. But when we engage our identity, first as known and loved by God, we are humbled because we are already enough. We don't need others' validation. We don't need to defend ourselves or wait for confirmation that we are no good. We can confidently believe that God has told us we are worth loving as we are. This is the way of wisdom. This is... Wisdom is designed for you to experience an abundant life with God. Wisdom is not so that you can have it your way. Wisdom is so that you can live. This is why the law of Sabbath is so important. God created an entire day where we intentionally produce nothing and impress no one and find out we are still loved by God. God's given you a day for that, where you don't have to do anything and God still loves you. It's so crucial that we get this. In this kind of wisdom, we are not people who are driven by our appetites or the fact that we can make our own decisions, although we are allowed to if we'd like. We are not cramming down information as fast or as much as we can. Instead, we lean not on our own understanding, because we acknowledge God is in the room. God is doing a work. And every time we choose to surrender it to God, not only are we acknowledging Him, but we are creating space for the kingdom of God in us as it is in heaven. And that's the work of Jesus. That's the work of Jesus through His Spirit 
in you. And we need God's Spirit for this work. And we must pray it, confess it, ask for it as often as possible. So I encourage us to practice a fidelity to our baptism. You guys who have been baptized, you know. You know what you confess to believe. As you've been put in the water, you know that you've joined Christ in this full immersion of the gospel where it's not just you get to be Lord of this part or this day, but my everything. Here we bow to Jesus. We let go of ego, compulsion, competition, comparison, and we grow in humility by being amazed by God. When you are amazed by God, humility is the only appropriate response. Perhaps worship also. Be thou my wisdom. So we're going to sing a song, uh, and I want to invite us to just, just be amazed by God. Just allow the greatness of God to, to wash over you. Allow the presence of Christ to seep deep down into all that you are. And if you need help with that, encouragement for that, cheerleading for that, we got you. Join us. We will hold you in prayer. We will usher you to the throne. We will invite you into the presence of Jesus. He is with you. And he is with us.